Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unmistakable Creativity Hour. I am here with my best friend and co-host, Gareth. As Woo-hoo. always, we're you know basically abusing some substance, usually wine. Uh, what, do you, what do you got in your glass? Is yours full? Mine is already empty. I, and we, barely, we just pressed record. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. We, you usually time this better. Um, I'm on my first glass today. Uh, okay. Well. Yeah. But I, hey, I'm on still, my second, the night so. is young, bro. The night is very yeah. young. That, Don't as, worry, as they folks. Like to say. We'll catch up soon. <laughs> That's just how this goes. We're beginning to realize this is just an excuse for us to get together and drink. That's honestly all it is. Yeah, yeah we should have started this at the beginning get- of the pandemic. In hindsight, you know, <laughs> that's actually a good point. Like, that really would have been, uh, yeah, seriously. a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, we totally missed. We totally missed the boat on that. We're we're like two years well, too late it, to this. <laughs> you know what? And. Yet again, we just found a perfect way to connect some random thought to what we're going to talk about today. Hey, look at us. We're which so is <laughs> that, no, which is all about the value of expressing your creativity and building a body of work as opposed to letting a resume represent you as a person. And yeah, there were some really amazing creative things that people did during the pandemic. I mean, I already had the podcast, but I still feel like I wasted it. I mean, I sat around playing 2K with Matt. Well, Tim, our other roommate, learned to play the piano, and he actually got really good. Did he really? You know, like, yeah, he's, he's improved improved significantly. It's kind of, it's, it's pretty amazing. You're just like, wow, you learned this just with an iPad app? That's cool. I'm significantly um, better people, at Apex Legends now. Does that count? I'm better at 2K than I was See? at the start. I mean, these are skills, maybe not marketable skills. For, well, I got to interview the CEO of the 2K League, so it kind of oh, came But there me. you go. See, it all comes full circle. Oh. Okay, so, you know, part of why we wanted to do this episode in particular uh, was because both of us are examples of building careers without resumes, especially <laughs> me, because mine is completely useless. I mean, beyond useless. It's just a resume of failure, failures and firings. And we'll talk about a concept called a failure resume, too, here, um, which we should have done last week. But we'll, we'll just make a quick reference to it later on because it's actually quite fun and, and exciting to do this. But um, so anyways. 
Part of what prompted my interest in this was that I got out of business school only to realize that I had two degrees, three jobs, and my resume was the equivalent of like toilet paper. It was useless. Yep. It, I mean, it didn't open any doors. And that was when I started my first blog. That was right around 2009 when you started to see this really bizarre shift where people were getting hired by doing really strange things on the internet. Mm. Um, and you're just like, what? You know, there was like, you know, blogs were coming out. And the thing is, what was happening was this gap between the ability to express your creativity and the technology to do it was becoming narrower and narrower. You know, yeah. And we're getting to the point where that gap is going to cease to exist very soon. It's mm-hmm. pretty damn close mm-hmm. to non-existent at this point. And once that happens, it's basically a free-for-all for anybody who is imaginative and creative. So using a resume to represent yourself, it's basically giving a, people a one-dimensional view into you when you're not a one-dimensional person. There's so much more to you that can be than can be possibly expressed mm-hmm. through something as limiting as a piece of paper with a bunch of bullet points or bullshit that you've spun into bullet points, which is what I did really well. But every single resume is, though. Because there's, <laughs> it, it is, though. You know, there's a format that you're supposed to follow. And, um, you know, it's the same as, as you know, what uh, uh, like applying to a college, right? You apply to college, yeah. you... you Put on your best Sunday suit and you try to make yourself sound as amazing as possible, right? But it's all crap. Like you have a format that you're supposed to follow. <laughs> it's all crap. Like it's all, it yeah, really is. There's true. no other way to, to slice it, man. It's who is best at, at sculpting with shit because that's exactly what we're all doing. And whoever's best at that wins, wins this particular race, gets accepted to the college, <laughs> gets the job. It's, it's it's ludicrous. Sculpting with shit sounds awful. I can't imagine actually doing really? that. But I feel Patrick Swayze's <laughs> arms wrapping around me right now. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look the the thing is that that became very clear to me in two thousand nine, and today that's even more clear to me than it was then. Uh, yeah. You know, but there's there's this sort of paradox of you know, trying to stand out. So you've got more access to tools, more access to resources and distribution channels. Like it's easier to get started than it ever was before. It's harder to actually get noticed than it ever was before. And that's a whole episode in and of itself. Mm. Like how do you stand out in a sea of noise? Like that's literally the ethos that we built the brand on is, you know, okay, you don't want to fit in. And that's the problem with the resume in general is that it's just something that fits in. It's not something that stands out (laughs) in any way at all. Isn't that isn't um, that an interesting conundrum when you write a resume? You're trying to make it so that it, it makes you fit in as much as possible, but makes you look just a little bit better than everybody else. It's the most ridiculous tightrope walking. Like, yeah, I mean, so your job is to stand out, you know, while also trying to fit in, which makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense at it's, all. It's so ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't know about you. So when was the last time you used your resume for anything? When we moved to Colorado and I got my job here at, uh, I was working for a company called PaySimple. They were like a, um, uh, like a Stripe, if you will. That's like the, the yeah. thirty second version. And and I was a, I worked there as a financial analyst, but that was my brief hiatus from entrepreneurship. And I didn't know what my next move was. And I thought some job security sounded fun, which is ironic because I got laid off. Like without even completing a full year there. So it was the opposite of secure. 
But uh, hey, whatever. It was it was fun while it lasted, and I learned a lot, to be honest with you. And I, I made some really cool connections. But you know, long story short, I did have a resume at that point, and even after that, when I was doing contract work, I was still doing it like in a very corporate way. So I was putting out a resume. So this is probably like 2015. So it's it's probably well, okay. man, is that right? I don't know, man. I'm really bad with time. It's it's been several yeah. years though since I've had one. But you, my friend, have had one like. Or had not had one for even longer, right? I mean, when's the last time you put a resume? <laughs> so, you know, every now and then I'll have this just sort of batshit crazy idea to look at a job on the internet just to see if I even get a job interview. Um, no, you don't. Do you really do this? Once, once in a blue moon. <laughs> and especially if there... So there was a job at Netflix for director of podcasts. And I was like, I'm curious, like, would they even consider me? They didn't, you know, and and the thing is that this actually really speaks to one of the biggest issues with the way that the entire resume system works, particularly like with these online job board sites. Right. So and Seth Godin has talked about this often where you're basically trying to meet some arbitrary criteria that a machine, not even a fucking human or human basically fed into a machine to say, oh, do you have this GPA? Did you go to one of these like 15 schools? Right. You know, did you do all, you know, like all of these things, which I like, do you have this ex- things? Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and that's the, well, and so that's the, but the problem with that is that you, it's actually a, a problem for both sides, for both the, the supplier and the buyer, because for employers, they miss out on some incredibly smart, talented people who don't, fit the check boxes. Right. 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 And that's because they just don't fit into the system. And that's often. So one of the things that happens, uh, Seth Gordon wrote about this in, in the Icarus deception. He talked about how people like Richard Branson, um, you know, and, and many others, he said, you know, part of the reason that they are in the habit of picking themselves is because nobody actually would hire these guys. Like they were just a disaster. <laughs> well, I guess with. that pertains to you and I too. Right. Nobody would hire us at this point. So, I mean, it makes sense that we have well, our own Maybe that's, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I like, yeah, it, it's, I, that's true. Like I, like I said, man, I'd either be promoted on day one or fired, or I'd either be fired on, day, but promoted by the end of the first week or fired on the first day. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, Cause I do like, I realize like what I've learned from this project, I'm far more qualified to walk into any job now than I ever was before from one building a business, but two from the just fucking vast, you know, swath of knowledge that I've gained from a thousand plus people. Right. Like I have all these random transferable skills that you can't get when you have an increasingly specialized role. Like remember Dan, Dan Pink was talking about that. Right. So that's the thing about a body of work is that by its nature, it's multidisciplinary. It allows you to, you know, express yourself, you know, far beyond the bullet points in your resume and be creative and really showcase not just, you know, what you've done, but who you truly are, mm-hmm. I think is really what it gives you. And I mean, that in my mind is much more likely to put you into a job that you actually like, because let's, let's see somebody was like, you know, Hey, Shini, we actually would love to hire you. We've been listening to your podcast and we love everything you're doing. I might actually consider taking that. That's right. Because right? this, the synergy is there, you know, it's like, well, yeah, okay. If that's how you're judging me, then shit. But if they're like, oh, you didn't meet some arbitrary bullet points, you know, we need you to like take this test or something. I'd be like, sorry, guys. Sounds like you and I are not meant to be. Um, <laughs> we need you to take your SATs again and uh, submit your scores yeah. to us. Yeah, no thanks. 
Well, that's the that's the thing, right? Is that you not only get filtered out on these arbitrary qualifications, but you kind of um, you rob yourself of you know being able to express yourself in in a way that is actually more expansive. So Chris Saka, the, the venture capitalist, had one of my my favorite quotes, and I actually turned it into a blog post on Medium. He said, "Keep in mind, this guy's a billionaire, like a handful of times over." Um, and he said in a commencement speech that he gave, your GPA doesn't matter. Your GPA only matters to people who have no other reason to find you interesting. So for all you 17 year olds out there who we can't stop picking on. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of worrying about your GPA, give people to give people a reason to find you interesting like that, honestly. And that's what building a a portfolio or a body of work really does. It does (sighs) give people a reason to find you interesting. Like let's, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the 17 year olds a bone today. Um, because, I, when I was their age, my focus in life was do better in school, get into the better college. And I never thought past that. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Like in hindsight, like I never thought like what happens after that? (laughs) No, you don't like, no, I mean, that's true. Well, that's the funny thing. Like the 17 year olds have like a view into the future that we just don't, you know, because they've grown up on this, like. The thing is that you, when you were being able to see the intersections of multiple technologies, like I think you and I have talked about this, Julian talked about this in our episode, right. uh, you know, with him. I don't know if we played that clip before, um, but yeah, take a listen. This is actually a really interesting one. Technology is a series of Jenga blocks that build on top of each other, and each Jenga block is necessary for the next Jenga block to exist, but we can't predict what will happen ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But we always have to be saying, oh, here's this new tool. What does this new tool allow me to do? Over and over and over and over again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So that little nugget has been worth billions of dollars, whether people realize it or not. So Who was that? And I'll give you- That was Josh? That was Julian Smith. Oh, Julian. No, Julian, Julian Smith. Smith. Uh, one of our, our podcast guests. He's the guy who turned me on to writing a thousand words a day. Gotcha. Um, but let, let me unpack that for you because, it, you know, on the surface, it sounds far simpler than it is. So Julian actually walked me through this and I never forgot it. He said, you know, the question you always want to be asking yourself is what does this make possible that wasn't before? And Greg had one other question when he would go around the country to meet with people. This was like 2008 when he was doing this $10 in laptop project. He would ask people, like, do you know how to use the Internet? And of course, people looked at him like he was out of his fucking mind. Um and, you know, and they basically open their email and you know, get on the web. And he was like, great. He's like, no, he's like, show me something you've made using the Internet. That always stayed with me. Those two conversations were, in my mind, an intersection of how you identify really big opportunities to create things to not only just stand out you know, with a body of work, but to actually create. So if you look back at the evolution of the Internet, this is a pattern I noticed after Julian made this comment. Um, about how technologies intersect making things possible that weren't before. So the example he gave me was when the iPhone came out, you had a combination of location tracking, a mobile device, and the ability to open electronic locks. And so what he saw was, wait a minute, I can basically create temporary office spaces that people can open using electronic locks, just like an Airbnb. But you know, instead of having to go to a coffee shop, you just go to an office right. and you rent it by, by the hour. But that wouldn't have been possible if the iPhone didn't exist, sure. and it wouldn't have been possible if location tracking wasn't there. So go back to the early 90s. This is a fun fact. If you haven't seen the movie Middleman, which is one of my favorite fun facts that I like to talk about <laughs> um, because you know it involves the porn industry, and you know we've had a porn star here as a guest. So before Amazon, before anybody else, guess who figured out how to process mm. a credit card transaction on the internet? Yeah, the porn industry. I did know that. Probably because you told me. So – 
Yeah, well, exactly. Because <laughs> I know things. <laughs> this is what happens when you're Srini's best friend, everybody. You know random facts uh, about porn. Well, okay, look, in all fairness, that came from the movie Middlemen. Um, that's where I learned it. But that movie is about the porn industry. So, you know. Uh, but, anyways, so the thing that I realized was okay, so you get the two, two intersection of two technologies, right? The your porn industry that, you know, gives us credit card processing on the internet and Mark Andreessen gives us a commercial web browser with Mosaic or Netscape or whatever the fuck the first version of the web browser was. Mine was Mosaic because um, my dad was a professor to bring us back to porn as embarrassing as this is. My dad had a, you know, Mosaic browser in his lab. And uh, I don't know what it was like. I think for almost all guys our age, if you ask them, you know, if you're in your forties, I've tested this theory on Facebook. No, I don't. And I don't buy that people are telling me the truth, <laughs> but if you ask most guys our age, what's the first thing you look for on the internet? Actually, Gareth, what was the very first thing you searched for on the internet? I, I really don't remember. Probably boobs. <laughs> yeah. So, Probably. You know, so Mark, you know, so to bring it full circle, Mark Andreessen created Mosaic, which was only available at universities, which eventually became Netscape. And my dad caught me um, looking at pictures of Pamela Anderson. He's like, are you looking at pictures of Pamela Anderson in my office? And I'm like, shit. Yeah, I guess I was. <laughs> so, but it's a good thing. You're just understanding, man. Here's the point. That So you get the combination of a commercial web browser, not just to look at pictures of Pamela Anderson, but to actually have a credit card pro- transaction be processed. And funny enough, like somehow I could tie this Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee show into this as an example. But <laughs> that was a thing stretch. Is, <laughs> it's a stretch, but you're doing no, it. It's not a it's not a stretch. And I'll tell you why, <laughs> because that whole show that the whole show. Yes, it's about the sex tape, but it's also about the birth of e-commerce. Mm. Basically, now that you have a commercial web browser and the ability to process you know, payments with a credit card transaction, somebody was able to sell the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape, among other things, in addition to the birth of Amazon and, you know, eBay. And, you know, I love how I'm comparing Amazon and eBay to the, the Pam Pamela Anderson, Anderson sex, I mean, sex tape as an example of e-commerce. I mean, they are examples of e-commerce. But yeah. the point being that you have these intersections that keep occurring. Yeah, yeah. And they happen about once every nine to ten years, right? And wait, when hold they on, happen hold on. in two thousand, what, what takes? What do you mean every nine to ten years? What intersection? Every nine to ten years, you have the intersection of multiple technologies that facil- basically, you know, pave the way for creation of an entire series of new industries oh, and things that we so couldn't do. We're talking about like before. sweeping change, not just like yeah, yeah. You and new yeah, software yeah, talking, comes well, out. What can you do with it? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, okay, okay. not not a. I'm talking like paradigm about, shifting like, technology. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, like look, like, so. You know, if you think about it, before now, at the time it came out, the web browser was paradigm shifting. Yeah, it course. changed everything. Of course. Okay. Same. So this, the ability to take a credit card payment on the over a web browser transformed dozens of industries. And so that kind of intersection of technological trends happens every 10 years or so. And at least in my life, that's what I've noticed okay. is every 10 years or so you get this intersection, right? So you had that in the early late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the iPhone and mobile devices. That gives way to eBay, Uber, you know, uh, not eBay, Uber, you know, DoorDash, all these things that we basically oh, yeah. use our phones. Yeah. Like those companies were born out of the creation of those devices. Like if you didn't have those devices, those companies could not exist True. without them. Yeah. You know, 
like they're all dependent on that. And so suddenly you get all of those things coming together. Now, the thing that is interesting is what's going to happen in the next wave, what they would probably call the fourth industrial revolution is you're going to have all these things intersect simultaneously, mm. like 30 years of innovations, all intersecting simultaneously with new ones. It paves the way for a whole new way of expressing yourself as a creative person, um, you know, building things, things that you couldn't do before. So this is the question you always have to be coming back to. So we jokingly, we say, you know, nobody wants to talk to me in my Oculus, which, by the way, is cool as shit. If you haven't actually done it, you need to get one of those, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking It really is, honestly. Yeah, it seriously does look cool. Honestly, it, it's like we, then we get to do this in VR and we could sit, we could we could literally do this podcast on the moon in VR. <laughs> uh, seriously. If we, would it be any cooler, though? I mean, it's it would be way cooler. Like you would trust me. Like I, I, I've, I've gone onto their like fake TED stage in one of the apps. I'm like. This is fucking amazing. There's a campfire where you can spawn like random animals. Like you can spawn like a Tyrannosaurus Rex behind your friend just to fuck with him. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy shit you can do in it. Uh, but that's one of those technologies that, you know, we write off. And the thing is that a lot of people will write a lot of these things off as hokey at first. It's a stupid thing. Like, why does anybody use this damn thing? Yeah. Right. Like, I thought Twitter was the dumbest thing ever. I still think Twitter, Twitter is, is the dumbest where thing. I've made. Well, I mean, honestly, Twitter is see, Twitter has what you call a utility paradox. You have to use it enough to understand why it's useful, and that takes time. And so, I didn't quite get that because honestly, I met Greg, my mentor on Twitter. Uh, I've met some incredible, unmistakable guests on Twitter. Like I, I have found it to be invaluable in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, the but but the point being that you get all these these intersections, and what that does is it just makes your resume more and more useless bit by bit. Uh, because now what you're up against is people who are inevitably going to do something that stands out in a sea of noise versus resumes. Who do you think is going to win that battle? You know? Yeah. The thing is, this is a way to circumvent the entire system and the bullshit job board. But well, no, it's it's not though. If you are a person who wants a job, you have to play by those rules. I, you and I, we don't want jobs. I would, I would, I would gander a guess that most of your listeners don't want jobs they want but to go be people who make change no, but but if you go and look at a lot of the the hiring stories at some of the really big tech companies a lot of people got hired not because of fucking resumes but because something they did that was interesting got the attention of a management there that would be interesting some girl did this thing for every okay. i mean yeah i mean remember like you know my whole career started with a girl who got herself a job by doing something interesting on the internet like yeah. that's how i started was because of jamie's twitter should hire me project um, and the thing is, yeah, mine was an abysmal failure, but at the same time, like it was the, my first inkling that, wait a minute, like, why would you play the game that everybody else is playing where you're praying that one stupid line stands out in your resume? Not only that, you got to remember in 2009, like it was so bad. The rumor had it that recruiters were literally printing out a thousand resumes and throwing the first 500 in the garbage. Uh, I mean, mean, think about how many people spent time like writing cover letters and all this other bullshit uh, for that. So that's the thing is that, you know, yeah, I I think that the the bigger question here is thinking about this through the lens of, okay, what does this make possible? You know, when you have all these tools, you know, know, as as I joke with people about communication technology, you know, we text more than we call and we never use video. It's like handing cavemen, you know, iPads. And them saying, nah, fuck it. We're just going to keep writing on stone tablets, right? 
Um, and that's the that's that's you that's what using a resume to get a job is. That's metaphorically doing the same thing in my mind, even to get a job. Because even for a job, what you're up against is a system that's rigged against you already so, by design. So from the corporate you. perspective, you've got you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people qualified, presumably qualified candidates applying for these jobs. You know, how can you realistically spend time going through every single one of those resumes? You know, you and I are people who are always looking for efficiencies, right? We've talked about this in numerous you know, previous chats. So yeah. doesn't it seem attractive to you and I if we if I mean, I know it's hard to imagine ourselves in corporate chill positions, but let's just imagine that we're corporate chills for a second. And we're sitting there, you know, trying to decide how we're going to bring on the best candidate. The fastest. That's extremely hard to imagine for a guy who's been fired from every job he's had. That, that's not even hard to imagine. It's impossible to well, imagine. I mean, it, it's absurd. It, it is absurd. <laughs> I agree. It is absolutely absurd. It's also absurd to imagine that any any corporate job out there would ever pay us enough to make it worth our while to sit in a cubicle and look at resumes. There's no way in the world you and I would ever take it. But let's just suspend our disbelief for a second. <laughs> and yeah, the whole the whole question here is, if we were in that situation, we are looking for the most efficient way to do it. So as much as I agree with everything that you're saying here about resumes being the bane of the person who's applying for the job, the the supplier, as you said earlier, the buyer, that is the employer, how are they going to make a better choice faster? Like, realistically, do you really think that that these HR folks can go in and look at all of the bodies of work? Unless they're hiring for C-suite positions. I mean, if you're hiring for upper management, C-suite, fine. But, you know, if you're hiring for a standard $75,000 a year job, like, you don't have time. You don't care. Your HR department doesn't get paid enough to care. They want to just fill the position. Yeah, but I, you know, so it's funny. This is maybe our first you know, sort of disagreement. Okay, so like, I, I get that. I get what you're our saying. First, our first public uh, disagreement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I get what you're saying, right? And at the same time, if you are a job seeker, like the reality is, yeah. if you're going to cut through that, so basically, you made, you made a point, right? They're going through a sea of resumes. The thing is, I'm talking about a, a way to break that, to, to ignore the system entirely and not play by its rules. Because in any system, rules are malleable. Like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, I, you know, honestly, like, I remember somebody was telling me once they, they wanted to apply for a job. I was like, don't submit the damn job on LinkedIn. I was like, go find the hiring manager's email address. Like, you can do that with a few Google searches. I mean, dude, I literally have never gone, uh, like, the thing is, I realized there are always backdoors into situations, right? You know, we had this episode with our, our friend uh, Alex Benayan. I mean, he talked his way into Steven Spielberg, Spielberg's office when he was in college and got an interview right. with Steven Spielberg. Like, he got to interview all these famous people because he was not looking to play by the same rules that everybody else does. And that's the thing is that a resume is basically a decision to play by, you know, the game of compliance. Okay. So you're challenging people to just, uh, you know, go around to the circumvent system the system. Yeah. And they have to accept the fact that they're going to have, and this ties back to last week's episodes, um, that, that but you're going to fail. You're going to fail, you know, eight times out of 10, but two times out of 10, you might Who actually cares? find a way. But here's might, the thing. Yeah. The, the two out of 10 will probably outweigh the eight so significantly. Right. And you know what? 
if you submitted 100 resumes, how many times do you think you're going to get a call back? That's fair. Two. <laughs> yeah, like, your failure yeah, rate is exactly. 98% if you play by the rules, so you might as well break them and see if you can get better than a 98% failure rate. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like, the, you know, the thing is, as I, I mentioned last week, like the, the most valuable skill I learned from Berkeley was to ignore systems yep. that are designed by other people to keep people like us from getting what we want. Well, because if, those systems are all they're designed gonna have to come by up other with better people systems, who made man, them up. We're, we're going to burn that to the ground. And <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, okay. Speaking of which, let's, uh, let's take a listen to a clip from Chase Jarvis uh, on one of our episodes that he, where he talked about why people are going to have five jobs at the same time in the future. There's a lot of sort of strong economic theory that believes that a sort of a stagnating or a lukewarm economy has student debt as its basis because the students are um, hamstrung with college debt. The country, the government is disincentivized to remove it. It's the only debt that you can't mm -hmm. um, declare bankruptcy to escape. And and the the federal government makes a ton of money off the interest from student loans. So there's this a, a, a loop that disincentivizes breaking that loop. Um, so the fact that the average student graduates at $40,000 and it's hampering our whole economy, that in and of itself will drive people away. Uh, the fact that if our parents had one job, we will have five and the next generation or the generation that's growing up listening to this right now will have five at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, the schooling system that we've grown up with or that pre preceded us is absolutely incapable, um, literally 100% incapable. They cannot evolve fast enough to address this need. Um and so it's going to have to, and we're seeing this, all of the data is very clear yeah. that, you know, that, that going to a certain college only helps you if you go to the certain, the top, like one third of a percent, there's like 12 or 18 schools mm -hmm. that if you go to these schools, you are disproportionately likely to get some job X. What? I went to one of those 12 or 18 schools and even that's not true anymore. <laughs> is Berkeley one of those, one of those 18? I mean, Probably, I know yeah. you're I mean, it was shit, the number one. like, I didn't know you were that. <laughs> well, it was the number one public school in the country when I went to college. Really? I didn't know that. Now I think uh, it was always between like us, Michigan and, and University of Virginia, I think. Like not to crap on anybody's collegiate, you know, achievements, but I've known, yeah, I've yeah, known but... plenty of people who've gone to Ivy League schools who are just dipshits. So like... I'm so Dude, over. Yeah, I mean, look, this whole. Trust me, I, I don't. I don't think like like I, I think I succeeded to whatever degree I did in spite of my education, not because of it. I'm a failed byproduct of that system. <laughs> so just 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 to be clear, I got in. I didn't say I did well while I was there. Or, you know, amounted to shit. Remember, I'm not. I'm, I'm the Berkeley grad who literally has a resume of you know failures. It's like a it's like a rap sheet of all the places where I've done time. <laughs> That's exactly how we should think about resumes. It's not something to boast about, folks. It's a rap sheet of all the places that you've been chained to and limited yourself to. Like, turn that yeah, on. I mean, look, here's the, well, here's the other thing, right? So you got to remember, I the whole reason this show exists is because I was trying to get myself a job. Right. I, was, I started this project so that I could figure out a way to get a job. And That's I did. Crazy. I, how long ago it was that? The door. Seven years? Eight years? 10 years. So needless to say, the ship sailed off of course quite a bit. Uh, I know this was 2010. Yeah, yeah. And the, the week we started the pot, I got a, a job at an online travel company where I was there. How's that going for you? Manager, you and I was, 
Got any interviews lined up? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I can know. I, and so they basically put me in charge of their blog. And since I was interviewing bloggers for the podcast, I just staffed the blog with all the writers I knew. There you go. And I just paid my friends to be my freelance writers. <laughs> it was, I got to run a publication you know, for a product that never got made. It was kind of, you know, awesome. Sure. I had a professor. But I mean, I knew. Oh, go ahead. I knew, but that wasn't, that was definitely not part of my, I mean, I was very, very clear. And from that point forward, some, you know, when the, the handful of job interviews I had after that, you know, my, my parents were kind of on my case to go look for a job when I was living at home. So I was like, all right, fine. I just, you know, submitted a resume a week and every now and then I'd get called in. And when they would be like, yeah, what we're doing has to come first. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I was like, they're like, so basically, you know, you have no intentions of being here long-term. I was like, no, absolutely not. Right. I mean, it was true. I was like, I'm not going to lie to you now. Like, you know, um, but that was the, so that, that's the other thing, right? Is it also will open doors. You wouldn't have thought that it would open if you, you know, don't just limit yourself to your resume. Like there's more to it than just using this as a tool to get a job. Yeah. Right. It helps you build skills that you can use on your job. As I learned, I mean, like I said, I staffed the damn, you know, blog at my job with the writers I was interviewing for the podcast, you know, and I was right. able to do it in a matter of week, days because of that. Uh, so you're always thinking about this also in terms of like, you know, what transferable skills is this project, regardless of whether it leads to anything or not, going to give you? Because that right there is invaluable because two things are going to happen. One is you will have tangible evidence of the skills that you've developed. Mm -hmm. And that's far more valuable than some bullshit bullet point on a resume that says, I know how to do this. Like I could be like, Hey, I know how to create a podcast or, Hey, here's a thousand episodes. Right. What do you think is going to have more credibility than, you know, that or a bullet point? Do you, all right. So, so let me just summarize this in, you know, kind of wrap my brain around it. You're arguing that it's better for people to build a body of work instead of a resume because it speaks to your skills better and it helps you stand out. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in an, and in another way, it's also like an insurance policy on your career because unlike That's the things you do at your job, yeah. unlike the things that you do at your job, which the company gets to keep, if you happen to like come up with some groundbreaking technological idea or something, which they get to keep, you get to take this with you, you know? Right. And it's funny because I don't even think he's down here. So my roommate, Tim had a, a really good example of this. He worked at AAA or something like that, like processing claims or some bullshit. Okay right out of college, um, really hated the job. And so he figured out much like yourself, how to write some sort of Excel program that took this job that was taking something like, you know, five people and, you know, 10, you know, 20 hours a week down to like, literally like, you know, a handful of lines of code. And he didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Eventually they figured out, they fired like four people. He saved the company like $300,000 and they gave him like a $400 bonus. <laughs> this is So after that, he was just like, he was like, but this is a great example of what we're talking about here, right? You don't even get like you don't even get to take that with you. I mean, Tim got to walk out with four hundred dollars after saving them three hundred. Like that's some bullshit, right? Well, imagine though if Tim put that on his resume. Like no, no software system, no AI is reading his resume, scraping through his resume and looking for bullet points to see if he checks all the boxes. There is no HR departments you know, resume AI that's reading his resume saying, oh, we should really hire this guy. Even though he produced 300, no, 
worth of value because we have to net out the 400 bonus he took home. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing, right? So, you know, and that's, that's a small example, but let's say you build a technology and the company patents it, right? Yep. Who, who benefits from that? Not you. 
you know, and when you leave, you don't get to take that with you. You might be able to, you know, say it, you know, well, write it down somewhere. But, but what's our argument and here? That's the is thing, that, that, that resumes suck well, or that jobs suck? Because I, because well, I agree with both. Look. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. You're you're in a very fortunate position. Sure. I look. I, I, here's the thing. Like you also got to remember, if people didn't have jobs, you wouldn't have Airtable to actually use, dude. Mm. I mean, okay. I see. Where, I see where work, you're going with if this. If the people, if Airtable as a company didn't exist, you wouldn't be able to do what you do. That's it's true. not a. It's again, it's an interdependent system. So you need people who have jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you need people to start companies to create jobs. Like there's just no, you know, it's not realistic to say every single person on the planet should be an entrepreneur. I know. Systemically, it won't, it won't work systemically. Obviously like we should actually not. do. Obvi- I, I know it breaks my heart to admit that because I do feel like everyone should be an entrepreneur, but I know that every, well, it's not look, for there are, there are, it's not for everybody. There's some people who live plain, perfectly good and happy lives, you know, basically you and I just don't fit into the system. So like I was, I I realized at a certain point, I was like, you know what? It's a dangerous narrative to basically say everybody should do anything. Like, Hey, I always say if if somebody says everybody should do something like you should assume what follows is bullshit. Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's selling something. Somebody's making money off of this statement. As soon as, as soon as they speak in platitudes, it's crap. Well, that's why I don't think, you know, everybody should follow their passion. Everybody should be an entrepreneur. I think it's all, all nonsense because right. context matters. Um, but the the thing that – but regardless of that, a body of work is really like an insurance policy on your career because you not only get to have tangible evidence of your skills, you get to take that evidence with you everywhere you go for the rest of your career. Mm. It doesn't It doesn't stay – you own it. It's yours. So, so what's, what's your, what's your you favorite way of doing this? I mean, you're talking about taking experience well, and like making it something bigger than a resume. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? It's a perfect time to actually bring up some listener questions. Hey, let's go. We got we got some listener questions this week. Talk to me. Oh, first time. Yeah. All right. So um, we promised, you know, if you wrote in at, at, that we would actually read your questions on air. So Bridget Burnham from burnbright.com had uh, some really good questions, very specific mm-hmm. ones which now will give us enough you know, to talk about for the rest of the episode, but they're very relevant to the tangent we just got off on. But so what information do you think people need to know about one another to determine if they will work well together? Personality type, drivers, communication style, interests, lifestyles, autonomous versus collaborative. How can we be more transparent about, about where we're at on our self-discovery journey without overwhelming those who aren't at the same place whom we still want to work with? Okay. I feel attacked. So, I feel attacked, Bridget. I'm out here talking about entrepreneurship well, and everyone should be an entrepreneur. And she's like, let's talk about self-discovery journey. <laughs> rain it in, Gareth. <laughs> yeah, rain, rain it in. No, these are these are actually very these are great questions because yeah. they're so damn specific. Yeah. Like these are kinds of questions that get good answers. So the the first one, when I saw that, my first immediate response was the easiest way to do that. Rather than looking for information, uh, you know, which ironically again takes us back to a resume. Um do a project with somebody because you will learn more in doing like a 40 to 30 day project, even a two week project, mm. whatever it is, make it simple, split it up with another person and find out. Cause that's one, one of the things we realized, even when we would hire people, we're like, let's do this on a project basis, see how it goes for two or three months. And if we're happy or let, let's test you out for a month and we'll pay and we pay them for that month. Cause then you don't like bet the farm on some big fiasco that doesn't work out. Yes. So good but you also quickly learn 
exactly the information you know you're looking for, exactly what Bridget is asking about here, which is you know personality type drivers, communication style. Literally, one project together will reveal all of those versus you know 150 conversations about oh you know what do you want to do with this, what do you want to do with that because. You know, like, like a lot of these behavioral assessments and all this other crap, apparently none of those are rooted in any science. I mean, they're fun. You know? I was just thinking, um, like, Vanessa, I'm an INTJ. <laughs> what up, Vanessa, Vanessa Van Edwards, actually, who is an expert, yeah. literally, in this stuff. This is what she does. She said there's only one that actually has been validated by empirical research, and that's the the concept of ocean, which is openness. Um, hold on. I don't know. Oh, like the, I, you know, seven, I've heard of this one. That apparently has has been backed by real research. The um, irony right here, folks, that you don't understand about this uh, admission from Srini is that uh, the last time he was over at my house for a barbecue, he was trying to convince my wife to read some num- numerology bullshit book. I don't even remember the what Enne- the Enne- Enneagram. Oh, yeah. And every every like other sentence she would utter, everyone was like, oh, you're such a seven. Oh, that's a two thing to say. Oh, you're such a five. It's. Like reading a horoscope, unless you believe in horoscopes, in which case, good for you. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I, I mean, I, I read it because I thought it was interesting more than anything else. I was curious, yeah, yeah. like, because, you know, I mean, I don't even know, you know, what the numbers mean. I, all I remember is I was like, all right, well, it's mainly because you and me and your wife were both referred to as sixes. And like, let's read this book and see if we can call bullshit. <laughs> that was really the main reason I think we, I think you wound yeah. up ordering the book and actually sending it to our house. And I'm pretty sure. I did. We wish she never that we it. had a fire pit at that point. <laughs> because it's all, you know, all right, listen, I, I enjoy personality tests. It's fun to get to know yourself a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I tend to agree with, you know, from my from my limited experience and unscientific background in, in this realm, yeah. uh, it seems like a lot of hoopla to me. Yeah. Okay. So. The other question Bridget asked, let's go back to this. Let's, ask, let's actually answer a, a question for Bridget. We, did we well, no, I think we, we, we answered. Yeah, we answered the first question. So as far as getting the information you're looking for, Bridget, when it comes to working with other people, uh, work with them. Yeah, that is actually the fastest way. Even if it's on something small, maybe you do a volunteer project together or something like that, because that will reveal so much more, so much faster than every other sort of way that you might go about doing this. I got to say, uh, Srini, we didn't talk about these questions ahead of time, but I think that's a stupendous answer. Um, for us at my company, we bring people on as contractors and it's exactly this. Like we get the opportunity to test them out first, make sure they're a fit for the team, that they gel with everybody, that they have the skills that they said they have before we make that commitment. I thought you were going to say that was a stupid answer when you said stupid, <laughs> stupid. I like to pick words that keep you guessing until the second syllable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So her other question was, how can you be more transparent about where we're at on our self-discovery journey without overwhelming those who aren't at the same place when we still want to work with? Now, okay, so mm. I'm assuming – so, so we, let's look at this from two perspectives. It could be somebody who's much further ahead of you in the journey or somebody who's you know, further behind you in the journey, Right. So when it comes to, to people who are further ahead of you, you know, Robert Greene talks about this in Mastery. If you're looking for mentors, one of the most important things, and a lot of people don't think about this, they don't think about what they bring to the mentor. Like, what is the benefit to the mentor? Um, how is that mentor going to themselves evolve by helping you? Because you have something they don't. You have to identify what that is. And for example, Brian Holiday ended up 
being mentored by Robert Greene because Robert was significantly older and Ryan was in college and it was just when books in the internet were starting to really kind of merge and, you know, books were primarily being bought on the internet. And Robert was not really familiar with the landscape of the internet and how to market things on the internet and particularly books. And so he brought Ryan on. Mm. And so Ryan got this world-class training from the James Cameron of book publishing. And now Ryan himself is like the James know, Cameron writing book a book a year. <laughs> Ryan is more like the James Patterson of nonfiction <laughs> book publishing. <laughs> He writes a book every year, you know, like it's not not James Cameron makes one movie every 10 years and it's a New York Times bestseller. James Patterson writes a book and it's a New York Times bestseller. Ryan Holiday is now the same way. Yeah. He writes one book every at this point. Ryan Holiday could probably write one book every six months and it would be a New York Times bestseller. He's just a beast, but he also puts a hell of a lot of time into what he does. And he learned that from Robert. Yeah. Like he actually was trained by Robert. But what he had to give Robert was invaluable. Because a lot of Robert's books, so Ryan became the marketing mastermind behind Tim Ferriss, behind Robert Greene, behind a lot of really well-known authors because he understood that one thing. And he had a unique skill set and very specialized knowledge that he could take to a mentor and say, hey, I can help you with this. Um, You know, and it's funny because, you know, when Greg mentored me, I remember he specifically came to me because he saw that I knew how to write content on, on the Internet. And he was like, we want you to advise a startup. Or we want you to basically help us, you know, with the startup that we're working on and we want you to run the blog. I was like, Greg, why the hell would I want a job? I've been fired from every job I've been at. You guys will fire me within a week. <laughs> and he was like, but what I told him was I said, fine, Greg. Um, and Greg had asked me for two things, that and he wanted me to help him write a self-published book, which he never wrote. And hmm. I have no no idea why the hell he called me of all people. I mean, I think it's because I had self-published a book and we'd been friends. But he's like, OK, you know how to do this. Um, and I made a deal with him. I said, I'll tell you what, if you help me get unmistakable to, to where it can be, then I'll help you do this because I knew. So I, you know, it was like a mutually beneficial relationship. At least that has been a pretty steady pattern that I've seen when not only, you know, in the relationships that I've experienced, the observations I've made, but also when people do dumb things, like Ryan has told me, kids will email and be like, Hey, I want you to meet me for two hours a week. I want you to do this, this, and this. And it's like, wait a minute, what the hell are you going to do for me? So if I can speak to that one, that's that's really insightful, Srini. Um, for me, for, this is uh, uh, taking the perspective that you know you're the one that's a few steps ahead, right? Um, one of my current missions is like teaching other people how they can themselves build successful, scalable consulting firms, like I've started to do. And uh, I'm still in the mm-hmm. middle of that journey, but I know the trajectory of it and where it's going, and I want to help people get started. And my initial course, my initial attempt at putting this together and teaching people this was lackluster at best. And so what I've done is actually find people who want to work with me one-on-one, who take the course, tell me what's missing in it. I work with them privately, and we have this interesting mentor you know, relationship where they are helping me by helping me understand what's missing from the course. What do they need? They, they don't even tell it to yeah. me officially in official terms. But as we go through these one-on-one coaching sessions and whatnot, I'm gleaning all of this uh, you know, space that was missed in the course and realizing that, oh my gosh, I've really got to, I've got to include a module on that or, or what have you. So it's beneficial for me yeah. and them because obviously they're getting, you know, that coaching. Well, maybe, maybe we should do that as like a, a mini case study where, you know, once one of the episodes every month we do, you know, I'll take your course and, we apply it to Mem and, you know, <laughs> teach people what we learn. There we go. See, 
I that's a perfect example of what he was just talking about. You know, he's going to get to basically promote his course and not only to me, but to all of you. No, <laughs> look at that. No, so that, kill like 20 birds. With- honestly, that wasn't my attempt. Honestly, it wasn't. Um, no, no, no. But but it's it, it's a you know, the, the point being that at least if you're the person behind, you always want to think of, you know, as while it might seem obnoxious, it's you're much more likely to get something you want when you cater to self-interest because that's human nature. Yeah. Ask the person who you want to mentor with what they're looking for and how you can help bring that. I guarantee there's something yeah. that that person wants in order to level up and they're willing to spend a little time with you. I, I charge $500 an hour for my time one-on-one. And if somebody's mm-hmm. meeting with me and helping me better understand what I'm doing with my course these days, I would not be charging that. You know, because it's, if it's mutually <laughs> beneficial, like somebody's getting some serious yeah. value out of that. And I'm not saying $500 is the be all end all. I'm sure that there are people that I would like to mentor under who are charging $5,000 a month or uh, an, an hour yeah. or what have you. Right? An yeah. hour. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. So that, that's one thing. So let, let's talk about it from yeah, the, other perspective. the other, other perspective. So one of the things that I do, particularly like when I'm looking for people, I look for talent in places that most people wouldn't think to look. <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, almost every single person who has worked with us in any capacity has been one of our listeners. Um, that's the first place I go is I'm like, okay, these people know me. Clearly they resonate with my values. And we don't even put like the one we put out a job ad once and the applications were such a disaster mm-hmm. that I literally went to our community manager, Milena, because she was writing these really, you know, great summaries on Facebook of the 10, you know, 10 key takeaways from each episode. I was like, that's better than anything I've written. And I'm the host of the damn show. Ah. Um, so I literally went to her and I was like, Milena, I was like, I need to hire a community manager and I need you to take this job. <laughs> and she was like, Srini, she was like, I'm a civil engineer. I don't know anything about building, you know, community or social media. I was like, if you can build a bridge, you can build a community. I was like, you're smart and you know how to solve problems. That's all I give a shit about. Um, and so, and she turned out to be amazing. And then for the, you know, when she decided to leave, we are like, we literally went to one of our community members. We're like, yeah. you know what? I went straight to Angela and I was like, Hey, Angela, I'm like, we need a replacement from Lena. And Lena and I both agree that that person should be you <laughs> assuming like, we're like, we're not offering you a job. We're forcing you to take one. Like Milena was like, I don't even need a job. I have a full-time job. I was like, yeah, but I need you to take this job. So for, for us, it started out very much the same way. Uh, the first few people who joined the gap consulting team were folks who followed us on YouTube or early adopters of our course. I would say that's the first probably 10 or so folks who joined the organization. And after that, we had to start getting a little bit outside of that. So we started to tap partner resources. So we would ask mm. our strategic partners, you know, software companies that we work with or, you know, uh, any, any number of folks that we've done work with over the years and say, hey, do you have anybody who specializes in this particular thing who is at this stage? Like here, and, and here's where you have to be crystal clear about what you're looking for, right? A lot of times I think folks aren't clear enough, especially early on in the stage of in the early stages of building a company. Folks don't uh, properly, uh, I don't want to say silo, that's not the right word. They don't put boundaries on what a role is expected to to take care of and own and what it's not, yeah. right? Well, so so Victor Chang has a really good way of looking at this. Oh? He says, don't create a job description, create a results description. Are you the one who told me to read Victor Chang? Yeah, you hated it though. I did. Well, you know, I'm, 
I like to. I it's agree dry, to disagree. But... <laughs> okay, he made so, some good look, points. I'm, I, anyway, go ahead. I mean, look, the idea of writing a results description instead of a job description, it's like, I want you to generate these results. Yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. Then you're, you, one, you're going to be much more likely to get the person you want for something, you know, when you're that clear, mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, because the other, the problem is too often people, you know, create this like responsibility description or bullet point description back to, to resumes. And they try to match up the resume with the bullet points. And it's like, well, I don't give a damn if the bullet points in the resume don't, you know, my, my resume requirement don't match. I care that you're going to produce a result. I don't give a shit how you do it, when you do it or where you do it from. Interesting. Sounds like I need to go back you know? and reread that book. It's worth it. I mean, it's an easy read, man. You should be able to read it in like 30 minutes. Uh, you know, here's the thing. There are some books I think you read in your life where every time you read them, you're taking different things from them because of where you are in your personal journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is one of those books I keep on the, the shelf okay. like I, within hands. Re- how hands many of those are because- there? Let me ask you. Because You're an avid reader. So how many of those books? Because I have under five. That are within hands yeah. reach? Probably about twenty. Yeah, to the left of me, probably about fifteen, and then right behind me, about about (laughs) twenty. No, I mean honestly, like some of them are just books that I I thumb through for you know getting creative juices flowing, just because I like the way they're written. Uh, You know, I'm not looking for anything specific. Others are, you know, like the Extreme Revenue Growth book, like a reference book, where I'm like, okay, there are certain things in here that I notice, and so. The thing is that you start to think in frameworks that way when you you go through these things, because then the way the author thinks starts to become the way that you think combined with the things you already know. You connect, you know, what you learn to what you know and adapt it to the context that you're applying it in, um, which is an entire episode in and of itself. Like that's that's a rabbit hole that is going to be full of all sorts of big words that we have to simplify and, you know. And I have to figure out how to simplify so I can Wait, communicate. Big words. Effectively. We have to be sober for this episode. This sounds like garbage. <laughs> We're not going to be sober oh, for any episodes. God. All right, moving on. That would be... Does, Je- does yeah, Bridget have right. another question? Did we answer Bridget's question? So, Hold on. She's asking how we can be transparent about where we are on the discovery journey. I mean, did we answer about transparency, really? Or, Well, I think so. I mean, I think that that is really what you're talking about is, okay, if she said, you know, to, if you wanted to work with somebody, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm interpreting that as either you want to hire somebody or you want to be mentored by somebody. Yeah. So that's the the way that I would I would think about it is really if you're looking at it from that perspective. And she and Jen actually had uh, questions that were very similar. And this is actually, a, you know, a fun Wait, one to wrap with. Uh, so Jen was another one of our listeners oh. who actually left a question on Facebook. Actually, let's see if anybody else popped in some questions because we sent that email out in the afternoon and two people actually responded. There might be some other ones. So let's check really quick. It's happening live. This is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have to cut this out. Obviously, we should have built automations around this. Srini, I know a guy. I'm going to set you up. No, I, I honestly, what I should have done is automated any responses that I got to <laughs> the Airtable form to go right into Mem. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Just, but yeah, anyway. No, I got the Airtable form. I just didn't build uh, the automation. Nope, that's it. There's the, just oh, those two. All right. All right. So, our two listeners. Okay. So, so. <laughs> yeah, well, the two listeners who sent in questions. No, yeah, so they, they, you know, they both had a very similar question. They said, you know, how? So Bridget says, how can we best represent ourselves for broader types of opportunities without seeming like we don't have a specific mm. focus or value to add? And then Jen says, how do we weave seemingly disparate elements of your body of work together, 
or how do you, you know, weave seemingly disparate elements of your body work together? Example, I digital sketch note, but when I share it, some people think it's all I do or are confused by several interests, skills, slash work samples. So these are both really good questions that are highly relevant to this topic in particular. I'm going to let you field it first, Jared. I have a lot to say about this. Oh, I'm under the gun. All right. So here's, this is funny because this is actually a topic I'm, I'm considering right now. It, it, you're as you evolve as a human, obviously you don't have just, you know, single laser fo- focused interests. You have multiple things. And this is, you know, anecdotally, just, you know, quick side side note here. Uh, Gap Consulting, obviously we are best known for our work with Airtable, but I'm working on changing our messaging to be more about how it's the process I don't care so much about the tool. I don't want us to be known for a tool in the long run. I want us to be known about known for how you can leverage technology to build better, um, you know, more streamlined workflows, processes, etc. And so that is a struggle because I don't want to alienate the work that I've done for Airtable, and I don't want people to think that oh, I signed up for his email list because I wanted to be known as the Air. I wanted to. Airtable tips, and now he's talking about other software. At the same time, I don't want to start talking about other software and then instantly, you know, dilute the the or dilute the uh, the impacts that we've had in the Airtable community. So, I mean, I guess the choices are: does this thing that you're doing, this this other this other thing, this other element, does it tie into the other elements of your body of work in so much that it can be included in the same body of work or should it be separated? So by that, you know, for example, for me, I I have a YouTube channel that attracts our leads. Given that we're still talking about automation and workflow and all these things, I'm going to keep this in the same YouTube channel and start opening up the channel and and the folks that it appeals to by saying, hey, we're not just Airtable anymore, we're no-code technology in general. Whereas another side project I'm working on, this goes back to Srini's fact that we're going to have five jobs. Apparently, I already do. Another side thing that I'm working on is, is building uh, this, this course that teaches people how to become consultants themselves. And so for me, that doesn't have enough to do with Airtable, even though a lot of people want to learn how to become Airtable consultants. That's not the focus of my initial channel. So I've broken that out into another, let's call it body of work. It's its own YouTube channel. It's its own website, et cetera. So that's my approach is just splitting it up when it makes sense. What do you think, Srini? Well, so I think that, you know, my my answer is going to be a little bit different. But one of the things I think, because, well, so you're talking specifically about the consultant types, and I'm going to look at this from the perspective of creatives. if you're a creative person, one of the things that you will find is that in your entire body of work, there are going to be common threads, like certain themes that appear over and over and over again, but they'll be expressed in different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's often where that intersection that uh, you know Bridget and, and Jenna are asking about lies is, okay, you have all these different things that you know how to do. You have all these different skills in all these different areas. So what's 
common between them. That often is how you express it in a way that people say, okay, I get what this person does. And so my joking version of it is, you know, after that, the conversation with Greg is that I use the internet to make things. But the reason I say that is when I looked back at everything I had done, there was one common pattern. And that was anytime I saw new technology, whether it was a piece of software, whether it's something like Riverside FM, you know, YouTube, whatever it is, my initial instinct was to make something with it, to do something creative and express my creativity Mm -hmm. with it. And I was like, oh, so what do I do? I use technology to express my creativity in different forms, you know, and that's vague to some degree, but I can make that even more specific. I use technology to tell stories. But what if you wanted to do work that didn't fall in that theme? Like, what if you just woke up in the middle of the night and used Stripe? So keep in mind, that's... Keep in mind that is one theme, yes. right? I also build systems to increase efficiency for people. I mean, I've done, done it primarily for creatives, but I can go into most places and look immediately and be like, all right, I can see all the bottlenecks. Yep. Like I've done this for friends in five minutes. I'm like, okay, like one friend, you know, we, we looked at his workflow. We showed him a few things in mem. He was like, this is going to reduce the time I'm wasting by 40% every day yep. with like, you know, it's those kinds of things. So the thing is that, so one of my other themes was, oh, I'm finding ways to be productive by optimizing for laziness. So that is another thing. That's a theme throughout all these other things. So, it's, you know, again, they're all connected. So you're going to look for threads that weave together the entire body of work. So, you know, using technology to tell stories is one thread in my in my body of work. But the ability to create all that stuff requires designing systems, which is another thread. Right. True. And so there are all these different threads that you know, people would look for. And then the other thing I would say is I find ways to combine other people's ideas. Like I always say, mix other people's ingredients to create original recipes, mm. um, which largely is probably the, the true you know definition of how I run my body of work because I've been the beneficiary of thousands of other people's ideas. I really don't know any. <laughs> None of us do, man. At the end of the day. No, this is, uh, this is a funny thing. Uh, I hope I'm not uh, keeping us from rapping here, but I did a video no. one time on, on oh, YouTube yeah. and I, I I thought it was a great one. Put out a good topic, put out a good video. And the first comment that comes in on the video, never read the comments. I know better. But the first the first comment that comes in, some guy's like, isn't this an exact copy of this video? And he like, you know, copies somebody else's, you know, that has literally 12 views. And I wanted to respond and just say, do you think I'm sitting here Googling and, and I'm one of these 12 views. Like, are you serious? Like, that's where you think I'm at? But um, no disrespect to this guy who put this video together. Like, it was it was a good video. Fine. Um, I actually can't say that. I never actually watched it. I, I, I imagine it was a good video. The point is, like... Because it was exactly like well, yours. Yeah, but mine came second. So I, I would have to imagine that it was good. Um, but the point is, like... We, yeah, who is it? Teddy Roosevelt said, we stand on the shoulder of, of giants, right? Not, yeah. you shouldn't expect that everything that you do is going to be completely unique. In fact, most of what you do probably won't be. It might be your own version of something else that, some, that someone else has already done. And that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, no, the total, totally fine. And then, of course, the point being, if it's your own version, play up the stuff that makes it your yes. version, right? So that's the, you know, so why, why do we do this podcast with two glasses of wine and, you know, whatever other substances, you know, we're encouraging you to use or discouraging your 17 year old. We're not talking use? about. Uh, 
we're not talking about period. You make it sound a lot worse than it is, is, actually. When you you make it that ambiguous, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Are they crackheads? No, we're not. not, we're not doing any of that stuff. No, just to be clear, we're not crackheads. We don't want to go to prison and don't don't yeah. smoke crack. Like you know, that's a gr- that's an excellent Reagan way said. to conclude this podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> Why does it always come it's back like, to jail if, time? Like if you if you don't you know want to go to jail, build or, you know, or you want a body of work that people will take seriously, don't smoke crack. Like that's the lesson here. Oh man, we're gonna be rivaling Joe Rogan pretty soon on downloads here. This is yeah, no, 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 no. We don't want to be well in terms of downloads. That would be great. In terms in of terms of everything compared, else, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, if, if Joe Rogan could be going to jail soon, if, if things continue what? at the rate they're going, oh, I got to read up on I, the news. Th- th- I don't know what's going on. No, no, that, that's that's not true. That is not true. Just to be clear, that is not true. I just made that you heard it here. Phone so first, this, folks. Uh, Joe Rogan's going to jail. This is a, said it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect example of how misinformation spreads. Just to be clear. Do not pause there. Go back and make it. Let me make this very clear. I just made that. Up and I said it as a joke. Somebody's gonna take that sound. I'm I taking that sound bite. I'm gonna. We're going viral now, baby. Well, Joe Rogan's going yeah, to jail. Well, look, at Sprinty Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, look. That's the thing. So you want to die? No. I mean, the, the point being, dial up the parts of you that nobody else could express in the way that you'd, mm-hmm. you know, that nobody else could express in the way that you do. You know, that is really what this is about. Because look. In my mind at this point, and I wish I had nailed the language down to get this in the book when I wrote it, and I never said it this way, but standing out in a sea of noise is no longer a matter of success. It's a matter of survival. Give me the tinglies. That's good. I think that's a good place to wrap. What do you think, Gareth? You got anything else to add? No, man. No. Go out and survive, folks. Yeah. Exactly. By standing out and burning your resumes. Burn your resumes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is actually a great exercise for any one of you who is actually looking for a job. See what happens when you're forced to work without the limitations of your resume as your primary source of trying to stand out or trying to get noticed. It's the grown that actually is a bro. It's the grown up version of coloring outside the lines. Let's go. Exactly. Do it. So, you know, for your next few job applications, see if you can come up with something better than using your resume. That's what we'll leave you with. Um, And thank you to Jen and to Bridget for writing in and sharing your questions. Go check out Bridget's website. Let me uh, pull it up here at uh, burnbright.com. And Jen, thank you for your questions as well. So now you know that we weren't bullshitting you when we said we really want to hear from you. We'll even give you a shout out on air. We'll even plug your website. Leave us a voicemail. Send us an email. Get on our newsletter. Should we use voicemails? Yeah, we have a voicemail. No, there's a voicemail capability on our website. Go to podcast.unmistakablecreative.com. You can leave us a voicemail. Um, Oh, and one other thing. We've been talking about all this stuff, you know, uh, about, you know, expressing your creativity. So we recently started something called the Unmistakable Creative Accelerator. It's kind of like a startup incubator for creatives to help you develop the habits, the systems, and everything else that you need to actually start building a body of work, to start expressing your creativity on a consistent basis, and to grow, launch, and monetize creative endeavors. You can learn more about that at unmistakablecreative.com slash accelerator. And not only will you get to learn 
from crazy people like me and Gareth, but we have former podcast guests who come in and teach workshops um, where you can actually ask them questions in a live setting. And uh, it's actually a really cool community of other like-minded people. So you grow your network in the process as well. And you find people you might want to collaborate with. So Gareth, anything else? Oh man, that's it for me. Let's go. All right. All right, everybody. So send us your non-resume project and show us what you make. Give us a reason to find you interesting and give everybody else a reason to find you interesting. <laughs> I'm about it. To sum it up, give, give people a reason to find you interesting. That's going to be the title of the episode. I love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator, that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.